Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. And welcome to the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast. Um, I'm Cammy Black, and this is Rory Baldwin. Hello. This is Jack Mysick. Hello. And making his uh, podcast debut, it's the co-founder of the blog. It's Al Kerr. Hi there. How you doing? All right, uh, Al. Um, you. It's your first podcast, so you get to tell us whose socks you'd wear if uh, you got picked for the Barbarians. Oh, it'd have to be the mighty uh, Broughton FP um, in Edinburgh. So a, a lovely uh, mix of uh, red, yellow, and blue, uh, good old vom-coloured uh, <laughs> set of socks they are. A mighty fine pair, I hasten to say. Mighty fine. Oh, glorious, glorious. Um, we'll, we'll kick off with the sad news uh, that Sean Lamont has announced his retirement from rugby at the end of the season. Um, along the way, he earned 105 caps and 70 points, which is a phenomenal total given the era he played in. Um, so, guys, aside from the orange fingerless gloves and the Backstreet Boys haircut, what are your abiding memories of Sean Lamont, uh, Jack? Um, I mean, he was just a, a really consistent performer. I, I think I'll always remember him getting on the end of a mall when we, we beat France and scored two tries, which during that time in Scottish rugby was like uh, an anomaly completely. So, I, yeah, I, he just did a really good shift for us for, for such a long time and all credit to him. I hope he has a good retirement. Rory, any memories of Sean Lamont? Yeah, well, I mean, actually, the uh, like the <clears throat> on the on the uh, tour to the France World Cup where Al and I came up with the idea for the blog, we actually we met most of the Scotland players, but actually we didn't meet Sean Lamont because uh, that was the night... Uh, I think Rory Lamont had injured himself quite badly, so they were both in the hospital. So I've never never met the man, but um, I think uh, probably in in the sort of in the darker darker times, he was refreshing for his honesty. Um, you could tell that he you know he wasn't he he was probably one of the more forthright speakers in the uh, in the changing room. I think, and uh, yeah, I think uh, he'll probably get get a lot of credit for that, even if you know the the fingerless gloves take a few points off. <laughs> <laughs> and Al, apart from uh, having never met him, have you got any memories of him? I, I think he was the first, probably, of the sort of, as you said earlier, the boy band uh, era, the good looking rugby players. And at a time when the likes of, you know, Chunk was roaming the earth as sort of gnarled, some troll like beasts, it was, uh, I think, refreshing for uh, certainly at least one female friend of Rodian Hours uh, to have Sean Lamont on the park. And I, I think she whittled away many hours. So I think on her behalf, I would say it was probably his very masculine thighs and his, uh, his good looks is the thing <laughs> that I suspect a good portion of the Scotland fans will remember him from. Uh, well, uh, he wasn't there on Saturday uh, when Scotland ran out uh, 29-0 winners um, against Italy, scoring four tries in the process. Uh, Rory and Al, you were both at the game, uh, but watching from different parts of the stadium. Al, you were in with the plebs. Um, <laughs> that scoreline maybe flatters Scotland a, li- um, a little, maybe far from an imperious performance. How did it look from up in the gods? It was, it was how to describe it, I think probably professional would be the way to describe it. It was went in, did a job, went away don't really think they raised the pulses particularly but um, they went and did what was required of them and, and coming back off of you know a fairly horrendous uh, performance down in London 
Um, I think they did what they needed to do to to put some of the ghosts uh, to bed, uh, right some of the wrongs, and, and hopefully draw a line under that England performance and, and move onwards and upwards. And Rory, um, I appreciate this might be a di- bit difficult to unpick, but was it a case that Italy were bad or was Scotland good or is it like Schrodinger's cat and it's possible for both to be true at the same time? Um, it's yeah, it's a it's a little, little of both. I would just uh, like to to preface that by saying Sean Lamont was actually at uh, Murrayfield. He was sat about three rows in front of us and with all the the wags and Italian dignitaries and things. Um, yeah, Italy. I mean, Italy were Italy were very poor. I've got my notes here for the match. Italy were poor, and that's all of Britain. Um, and yeah, I think you know they they were. It was probably their least impressive performance of the tournament, and you know, I mean, most of the the games so far they'd gone in at half time. They'd at least put up a half decent showing, but I think by this point they were maybe just just not interested. And I, th- I think it's almost like the fact that they didn't put up a fight. It it sort of meant that Scotland didn't really keep the foot on the foot on the throat. I mean, it would have been nice to say. I know Gav talked in the podcast last week that he'd like to see Scotland go out and put uh, you know the highest point score of any of the teams onto Italy as a kind of, as a statement of, of redemption after, after Twickenham. And they, you know, they didn't do that. They did, they did manage to hold them to uh, to zero points, although that's probably more Carlo Canna's fault than, than anything to do with Scotland. Yeah. And Jack, I mean, it, it was maybe hard to see any signs of progress given the standard of the opposition. Um, do you think it's possible to have any assessment of how well Scotland actually did in that game? Um, I mean, I, I was one of the pleds up in the gods at the game. Um, so from where I was sitting with a, a wee bit too much whiskey in me at the point, what I could see was, I mean, as the guys have said, job done. Get our first uh, bonus, like our first like four try bonus point was quite good as well. To get that duck off our back. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought. It, it it was really nothing to set the heather light at all, but it, to to nil any team, I'd say is a good good defensive shift, so they can take that away from them. Apart if you still count Italy as a tier one team, then it's the first time we've nilled a tier one team in twenty four years. I read. Yeah, well, I I, I was watching on the telly, um, and I think it sort of summed up Italy's day when I can't remember who it was it was that one where they pretty much dropped it over the line. Um, and it cuts Conor O'Shea, who, who quite clearly could be seen saying, "What the f- was that?" <laughs> Holding his, throwing his hands in the air. So maybe that it was maybe luck more than anything that Scotland were able to hold them to nil. Do you think, Al? Yeah, I mean, Rory and I discussed this. Uh, I think at great length after the game. I mean, there was some good defence in there for Scotland, but they didn't really need to do very much. I, I, I would argue that this is probably the weakest Italian side since, uh, you know, the very early years, them and the Six Nations. It's a, a difficult side to play against in one way uh, as a consequence. It's just a bit frustrating. I think Scotland fell into the trap for the first 20 minutes of kind of playing Italy's game. We kicked way too much ball, appreciated conditions were wet, but, you know, they're toothless in the extreme. You know, they had... 10, 15 minutes, absolutely concerted pressure. And as you say, botched it every time. I mean, I, I was I was almost angry for some of the Italian fans at just how bad they were. I, I, I think they were hopeless, utterly hopeless, <laughs> in all honesty. So it's, it's difficult to draw any conclusions from this game. Um, yeah, uh, just honking. It was. They actually reminded me of Scotland's sort of, you know, 
a few years back in the dark days where they just you, you watched entire games and thought there is no chink of light. <laughs> this is staring into the abyss. Yeah, from... perhaps so. Yeah, we we maybe had Chris Patterson's book to at least get us through those days, whereas it at least seemed to completely lack anybody who's capable of kicking a ball between the sticks at all. Yeah, I mean, we had a group of Italian fans sitting in front of us, and it. <laughs> You wanted to really give them a hug. They they were sinking lower and lower in what are already very uncomfortable Murrayfield seats, and and you know almost sliding down the uh, the the stairs to the escapes. At the, you know at the end, it was for an Italian fan, you know for as much as uh, Conor Rashid's you know vaunted and, and and you know the oh. the tricks that he has for pulling uh, you know away to England, great, but. He's going to need more than tricks, I'm afraid, to turn around uh, this uh, this particular brand of Italian rugby. And Rory, it was maybe surprising that they didn't pull any tricks with Scotland, given it would probably be the game that they were targeting. Yeah, um, I think everyone was waiting to see what they had up their sleeve, and it turns out not very much. I mean, a rolling the rolling mall was a great weapon, as it always is for them. Um, but yeah, there wasn't. I don't know. I mean, maybe they did have they, maybe they did have tricks, and they just players couldn't be bothered executing them in the end because they just thought, oh, okay, it's one of these, we're going to get beaten, so let's keep keep uh, keep our secrets in our in our back pocket. But, yeah, it's 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 tricky to explain. I mean, you you can't think that um, Conor O'Shea wouldn't have had some some plan, but, again, it could have been a similar thing to, to, to us against uh, us against England. Scotland maybe came out and didn't show the, you know, whatever weakness that they'd identified pre-match. Maybe... Um, you know, maybe it wasn't wasn't there. Um, certainly, Dunbar had a much better game, so I think the uh, the you know the defensive line was a lot more a lot more solid. I mean, it's maybe worth um, going through the um, the player Al's player ratings just to sort of in the absence of anything notable to speak of in the match, um, given how straightforward it was. Um, Al, these were somehow more controversial than um, my. Zero scores last week from some of the comments we've had. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's not one. That... Sorry, carry on. No, no, you go. I was just going to say somebody nailed it. Um, I, I believe somebody uh, kindly referred to me as a clown on Facebook, which is, uh, <laughs> I'd like to say, was the first time, but sadly isn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I granted, we'll caveat these, and um, you know, I think we said at the time these were done post. Uh, a few hours of uh, post-game libation. However, well, I have looked back over them, and um, there's not much I would change. So I don't quite be a run through just now. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll start from the way you've done them on the site. We'll start at the back with with, with Hog. Um, so you've gone seven out of ten. I mean, I thought that was fair. Um, he was his usual self. Nothing spectacular, but seemed seemed okay. Don't have you revised at all? No, I, I would stick with seven. So you know, he, he set up what three of the four tries. Um, defensively, I think he answered some critics, um, particularly of that spell in the second half. Um, a couple of really cracking tackles in there, and, and, and you know, was it three on one? I think were one of them. Um, so you know, I think he's been a wee bit unfairly uh, labelled as being weak defensively. I think that his game has improved significantly on that. You know, over the last sort of eighteen months or so, um, but he kicked away an awful lot of ball, and there were times where you were just screaming out for him just to to have a go, you know, um, at the Italians because there's been games against some of the more uh, stronger sides 
where he's you know he's 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 just ran every time, um, whereas Italy seemed ripe for picking. Um, so you've kind of felt this just kicking along repeatedly <laughs> wasn't really the way to to unpick that Italian defence. So I think seven out of ten, good shift. I mean, I think to be fair to him as well. I mean, when I had. Um, well, I didn't have the baby. When my wife had a baby, um, I could barely leave the house after a few days, let alone go and play 80 minutes of international rugby against, admittedly, Italy. I mean, I might have been up play international rugby against Italy, but um, so fair play to him for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I job done. I mean, I, I, you guys discussed last week um, the scoring mechanism that I usually apply, and it's probably a good time just to outline that. So, we, I always start with a six. And then, you know, you work your way up, but you work your way down and six is doing your job. So anything above a six is is a relatively good day at the office, I would suggest. And uh, Jack, um, Al's gone with six out of ten for Tommy Seymour, which in terms of his scoring is he, he did his job. Would you agree? Yeah, very much so. Um, <clears throat> again, Seymour didn't do too much to stand out in the match. Uh, I, I think it's a he's... he's been starved of real ball and, and action the whole tournament um, which I, I really hope obviously we'll, we'll talk about Lions a bit later but I hope it doesn't implicate that um, I, yeah, I, I can argue with Al's rating I think 6 is fair, just try was taken pretty well nothing really to add on Seymour to be honest Yeah and then Rory um, Vissa 6 out of 10 again um, I think um, Al said flattered to deceive in terms of his effectiveness in the first half um, but maybe working a bit harder than than we used to. Yeah, I mean, I think he, you know, he was going, he was going looking for work. He gets accused of not not doing enough, I, I suppose. And he was definitely, you know, he definitely was buzzing about a lot. He was involved a lot, but you know, not all of it was was particularly effective in terms of you know scores or anything. It, not not much of it came off, but he was certainly he put he put the work in, and uh, I think he's probably he he probably looked back at. at um, you know, a, a tournament where he wasn't necessarily a starter, and think, yeah, he's he's certainly he's done his um, he's done his credentials no harm, and, and you know, silenced a few doubters. There's still there's still big question marks over his you know over his defence and stuff like that. But um, yeah, he'll he'll probably be he'll probably be reasonably reasonably happy with where he is, um, especially if you know if Maitland goes on the Lions tour, he'll get another shot as well. I don't know. I mean, does anybody know where he learned to take a high ball? Because he seemed to be completely useless at it before he went down south. So I don't know if that's something he's been working on or. Um, yeah, it must be. It must be somebody at Quinn's is, is I don't know, taught, taught him to raining, ignore the fear raining or down, yeah, yeah. raining down balls on him every night just to try and make him better. He's now the best um, in the world after two games. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in the centres, Al, you went for seven out of ten for Dunbar, but just six for Hugh Jones. Was that down to the injury? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, Jones only what he was what sixty minutes. Uh, he played thereabouts, was it? I don't even know if it was as long as that. No, it was um, less than that. that. First half was it went off. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. you know, he 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 when he did have the ball in hand, and as he usually does, you know, he does look one of the more likely ones to to unpick a defence, and he does run some lovely lines. So I think for the time he was on the park. You know he did his job. Um, you know, I, I'd, if he'd had longer, particularly as the Italians uh, tired towards the end, you might think you know in that last twenty minutes when we're turning the screw a wee bit 
you know, Hugh Jones being on there might have given us something, um, you know, a wee bit different just to try and stretch them a bit again. Um, and you might have seen another couple of scores coming from that. So I, I think considering what, how long he was on the park, six and doing his job is probably about right. And then um, Jack um, Alan Rue was saying that maybe Dunbar was carrying a bit more than we've seen previously in the tournament. Do you yeah. think I was just down to the opposition or letting him or maybe a different tactic from Scotland? Uh, a bit of both. Um, I think with the, the wet weather conditions, a bit of crash ball was in order. Um, and also, I, I imagine Verm was probably giving him a, a chance to to sort of make up um, after after what happened in the game we don't speak about. Um, yeah, I... I uh, Scottish game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, so, I mean, I, I probably would have knocked him up to a 7.5, personally. I thought, he, like, when Alex Dunbar defends well, the Scottish defensive line defends well. He is so key. And um, I, I thought he put in a, a, a pretty good performance, especially to come back after what happened. And then, um, Rory, now, um, Al's gone for 8 out of 10 for Finn Russell, but I think in the match spot you felt that he was maybe trying things a bit too much I think that's probably um, that's just uh, I guess that's maybe the way he plays. Um, I think he's always gonna he's always gonna try too much, but it was one of those games where most of the stuff he was trying was was working, um, and and Italy weren't you know weren't uh, weren't really able to to do much to do much about it. So I think yeah I think the score is uh, the score is right. Um, he you know he did have a very, he did have a very good game. He was certainly the the pick of the backs. Um, Taking the ball to the line a bit more than we've seen, but I mean, he still he, he chip kicks uh, a lot, a lot. But it's one of those ones. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And if it works, you're thinking that's a great way to get the ball in behind the defence. But if it doesn't, you think you're just kicking away possession. Have we got any uh, idea what's under his headband yet? That little no. square. I, w- I wasn't allowed to ask him. <laughs> Is it secret? Yeah, he's, he's not been. He's not suddenly become a follower of Charles Manson. I hope that that's going to be very unfortunate for Scottish rugby if it is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then Ali Price. You've just gone for six out of ten for Ali Price. Yeah. So again, did his job of what he could. I know looking back, and you can tell this was definitely written in the pub um, <laughs> to a degree. He did play his usual game. I have, I've watched a wee bit of the game back, and I'm going to. Um, I think go against what I've said here and saying that he kept things moving quickly. I think looking back in hindsight, I think he wasn't moving the ball away from uh, the mall, the, the rucks as quick as possible, as quick as he could have done. And I think as quick as we were expecting, there were times where it, it could have been Greg Lidlaw that was standing there. It just seemed to go on uh, an eternity. So I, I think on a day, and I, again, I think part of that's down to conditions. I think there was uh, no silly knock-ons. Don't want to really get, you know, give the Italians a chance to to get a, a, a foot in the um, in the set piece. But at the same time, you know, you do need to you attack Italy quickly. They will crumble. There's only so much defence they can do. And uh, again, I think he did his job. But there were opportunities for Ali Place, I think, to to do a bit more on on Saturday. Um, so you know he's got other opportunities and coming up, and obviously the uh, the game against Saris um, will be a big opportunity for him to to push on. And Jack, I think we said in one of the previous podcasts about this thing about Scottish scrum halves who come in to the international setup with reputations of playing club rugby very quickly, and then just to seem to slow down. Do you think that's just the pace of international rugby, or 
is there something else going on there psychologically that causes them to crab and slow the ball, give slow ball? I think it might be a coaching thing. Um, I, I heard a whist from a friend who played under 19s that they were taught to to slow it down, which seems uh, quite strange, really. I'll, I'll be really interested to see how Ali Price plays when Gregor Townsend comes in. I'd say I, I, I would expect quite a bit, of, a, quite a big change in how he plays, because we've really not seen. We've seen we've seen little snippets of how Ali's been playing at Glasgow, but I, I I don't think he's really transferred over his game his club game yet to the international scene. We'll maybe pick that up uh, next week when we're going back over the Six Nations. But Alan, the forwards, um, you've gone seven out of ten for Gordon Reid, but only six for Xander Ferguson. Now I thought that that was the one of your scores I thought was a bit harsh on Ferguson purely because he got at least one turnover in the first half and was maybe better in the loose but I appreciate you were sat way up in the Murrayfield gods looking down so it might not have been as obvious have you revised the scores at all or are you still happy with that yeah I think this is the one that's probably caused quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of chat um, I mean I think Ferguson Ferguson sorry played pretty well um, and possibly a wee bit harsh I do think though that a lot of the solidity that came in the scrum and you know I mean everyone talks about the Italian scrum but thought that you know Scotland stood up really well actually came from Reid I thought Reid really you know did a really good job and, and really adding quite a lot of ballast and um, just a bit of nous to that front row um, and obviously having Ford in there as well at Hooker just that wee bit extra experience I think helped Figerson but uh, so maybe maybe you know put Figerson up to 6.5 I could even be encouraged on a on a good day to go at <laughs> 7 but uh, I, I you know I think Reed Reed deserves a lot of plaudits you know he, there wasn't much positive coming out from from the England game I think Reed did relatively well considering the circumstances and he took his try well and I, you know I think he took that into the Italy game and uh, you know I've not always been his biggest fan as Rory will testify to his, some of the rants that he's heard over the years but uh, no uh, <laughs> I would suggest that um he did a good job on, on Saturday. Uh, and Rory then, uh, Al's gone for 6 out of 10 for Ross Ford, which I think if you were to sort of have in your mind a player that would get a 6 out of 10, it would be Ross Ford. Yeah, he, 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 is, the, um, he is the epitome of doing your job. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I found some, found some stats. Uh, ESPN put up the Six Nations but, uh, by numbers. And they had some uh, some great stats. I think uh, Ross Ford has now gone fifty five Six Nations games. I think without uh, without scoring a try, and he's also the only non Italian in the top ten for most losses, with like forty one losses in the tournament. <laughs> and you just got. I mean, you know. I mean, some of that circumstance and that he's just been around. He's been around so long, that inevitably, and there's nobody else been pushing him, I suppose. So inevitably, he's going to have those losses. But the the try thing surprised me. Yeah, um, I mean, because he he does he does sometimes sometimes ball carry, but I think maybe that's what we don't see enough of from him is because we're we're looking at this big brute of a guy and we're thinking he should be he should be, you know, he should be a ball carrying monster, and he he hasn't always always done that, but. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a. Yeah, it's a. It's a tough one, but I think you know the scrum. The scrum was good, um, and I think he should. Pro- he'll probably you know take some some credit for that. Um, also, the fact that uh, they didn't seem to need to bring Fraser Brown on for any reason. Um, 
there were a few dodgy lineouts, but I think both hookers had a, a few lineout throws. I mean, Brown had that one at the end where he almost almost gave Italy some points right at the death, which would have been very foolish indeed. But um, yeah, like six out of ten is is completely fair. Class. Have you ever given uh, Ross Ford more than six out of ten? All out of interest. Um, ah, now you're asking a question. Probably not. <laughs> I, th- I think. I think, I, think once, in, I think in life he is. He is a he's a six out of ten sort of man. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see if I can find out. I'll see if I can find out for next week. Yeah, that would be good if you could find out for next week, Roy. That would be brilliant. Um, and uh, Jack. Um, Grant Gilchrist came in late for Richie Gray. Um, Al's gone six out of ten for Gilchrist and seven out of ten for Johnny Gray in the second draw. I mean, um, Gilchrist. I mean, I I would agree probably six out of ten for Gilchrist. Do you think that's fair? I mean, a lot of people seem to be angry with that score, but he wasn't. Um, I don't know. He didn't live up to the hype that Big Vern seemed to have in him. Yeah, uh, I, I do feel sorry for Grant Kilchrist because he's been plagued by injuries for quite a long time now. But, um, I mean, to come in late in the day and, uh, yeah, I thought, it, it, again, a 6 out of 10 performance. He did his job, yeah, not letting anyone down at all. Um, can't really complain with that one, Al. Uh, Johnny Gray, again, 7, much better performance. I mean, he was really not at the races at, at Twickenham, much like a lot of the team Uh Good uh, carrying seemed to improve a bit as well, and uh, yeah, just uh, back to the old Johnny, which was which was quite nice to see. If I could uh, just interrupt a second, uh, despite yeah. I found uh, possibly the the most typical Rossford player rating ever, which was from the Australia game last November, a quiet day on his hundredth cap, reasonable enough, no major mistakes, but he can offer more. We've said that before about ninety nine times, and that was a six out of ten from Al as well. So. <laughs> I think maybe we should just start cutting and pasting that into Ross Ford's um, player rating, just the same. It's actually, I mean, I'm, I'm looking back through some old ones just now, and it is strange how similar they all are. <laughs> he, is, he is Mr. Consistent. He keeps it, keep, he's keeping us consistent. Um, but then um, we've got, from one former um, inexplicable Scotland captain to um, maybe more of a, an obvious one, Barkley. Um, Ali, you've gone six out of ten. If it hadn't been for the yellow card, do you think you would have gone higher, or was do you think still think that's fair? I mean, I'm not necessarily convinced he does enough going forward. I mean, you know, he's a six; he's there to destroy, and you know, he does that very well. Um, I do think there's signs in the last couple of games. I think he's generally been quite a good captain, uh, stepping in for for Greg, but. Um, a wee bit, a wee bit chippy. He, he obviously, you know, I think things got to him in England. There was, there were signs again. I think at times of frustration there on Saturday. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, a, a lot of time for for John, but um, and I'm not swayed unless anyone, when one of you guys can convince me that he he deserves to be bumped up a, a point five or a a whole point, since I'm feeling fairly miserly. <laughs> No, I thought that was fair, Jack. What, what did you think? That's fair. Six out of ten for Barkley. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I, I, yeah, maybe six and a half without the yellow card, but like, again, there's quite a few people looked like they were pulling that one down. And then Rory, um, seven point five out of ten for Hamish Watson, and I think I tweeted the stat which made its way onto Blood and Mud. They stole that. I'm going to say um, my tweet this week about that. It's um, no clean breaks, but 11 defenders beaten in the Six Nations from Hamish Watson, which is just an absurd stat. Um, 
is he back to being pinball? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know where he gets that power from because I remember he was he was sort of he was firmly in the Roddy Grant kind of mold of oh he's too small for international rugby and John Hardy is the savior and and then he sort of disappeared off to the sevens and maybe I don't know maybe Callum McRae has special Weetabix or something but they he came back and and he was just yeah he's he's just so hard to stop he just if he decides that he wants to keep running it seems like he'll keep running and there's nothing you can do about it. And uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 quite something to see. But yeah, he does he did do a he did have a couple of trademark bouncy bouncy um, runs up, you know bounce off one guy and run run through another. And uh, yeah, he's he's had a you know he's had a great tournament. He, he reminds me of a guy I played with at Broughton um, who was all angles, was all sharp knees and sharp elbows, and he was just an absolute bugger to tackle. And I suspect Hamish Watson's the same. I suspect he's probably got razor blades for ankles and razor blades for knees, and you, you hit him and it hurts, and he just bounces straight off you. He just he, pinballs a, a good way to describe him. How can I wonder... Ross Ford be that big and and make not that many meters, and then you have someone like Hamish Watson who just you must get at least over double the amount of meters every single game that Ford does. It, it's incredible. I've I've got a theory um, that Hamish Watson was a big kid, and used to just run with lots of other kids on his back when he was little, and then all the other kids got bigger, but Hamish Watson refused to accept that all the other kids had got bigger, so just carries on playing the way he's always played, even though he's now smaller than everybody else. Um, Ali went 6 out of 10 for um, Ryan Wilson, which it was an odd one, that, because he probably should have come off a lot earlier than he did. Yeah, I think 6 is... Uh, looking back, this is one I'm, I would be tempted to... to boost up but one is I think just for the fact that he stuck it out I mean he was injured you know really early on um, surprised he lasted as long as he did and I think he took a line out throw if I remember correctly at some point so he probably deserves to be uh, to be boosted I mean a 6.5 for uh, Ryan he, he's come on quite well in this tournament though I'm not necessarily being his biggest fan he, you know he, he literally can start a fight in an empty empty room I suspect and you know he's he's been prone to acts of, of wanton thuggery on the rugby party when he remembers back to Samoa uh, in the last World Cup probably oh, testify God. you know he's a card yeah. waiting to happen but you know I, I think he has screwed the nut and I think his game has come on considerably and you know he, he's you know Scotland are missing Rody and I had this conversation Scotland are missing you know you put a Parisi into a Scotland side you know that big eight that sort of talismanic sort of eight and they would absolutely fly Ryan Wilson's never going to be be that but he is getting better at being, you know, a much more um, sturdier ball carrier and a much more destructive ball carrier. And you know, if he continues on that way, you know, it's definitely, you know, going to continue to add value. So I think he, overall, looking back, I think he had a decent game. Uh, probably six was maybe a wee bit harsh in hindsight. Um, I mean, speaking of destructive um, number eight ball carriers, um, we'll not go through the whole bench, but that was um, Conal Dupree. Um, there's maybe a bit more of a game in which to show what he can do um, after not being on very long against... Did he come on against England, didn't he? He did briefly, briefly yeah. yeah. Yeah, briefly. Um, I think I'd stopped paying attention by that point. <laughs> um, but um, played half an hour um, and you said did the carrying he was supposed to do, but I, I would have expected him to make more of an impact. I think apart from trying a line-up throw in the middle of the park at one point, Jack, I, he didn't really he sort of came across a bit as a poor man's Josh Strauss. Yeah, I completely agree. It'd be a bit 
bit disappointed with him. Uh, obviously, he's just starting out in international rugby, but you you see, like in our, our stuttering Edinburgh side for the last few years, you see him getting a hold of the ball, and he's got wonderfully soft hands for a big guy, and you you just didn't really get the chance to see any of that in his in his two cameos. Um, so hopefully, he gets a bit more game time soon. But yeah, nothing to warrant anything higher than a six, I'd say. Yeah, I think he's. Oh. I, th- I think he's one. When you look at the Aussie tour, that you know that's a big opportunity for Cornell. Yeah, to be able to sit and you know maybe try and add a bit more value and maybe get a cut, you know, a bit more game time under his, you know, under his belt. Because uh, I think there's a player in there. And then um, the only other one I just thought pick up from the replacements, unless anyone else wants to chat about the others, um, was Matt Scott, who got a, a long run out after Jones's injury. I. Probably would bump that up to a seven. I thought he had a good game, given um, that he, you know, he he came in on for for Jones. Um, and Rory, you described he's 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 big now, Rory, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he he, he's, he looks like he's uh, he's been uh, he's been at the Magic Wheat mix as well, and uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, he he had I think he had a pretty good game. His try was a bit of sort of being in the right place at the right time. There was a there. Were, I mean, a couple of the tries were just. You know, let's hoof the ball towards that massive in goal area. See what happens. And both times, you know, they came away with a, they came away with the points. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was he was carrying carrying hard and direct. I'm not quite sure. I haven't managed to see any of the, uh, the Gloucester games. But I think that, you know he's been playing at 13, so he he slotted in okay. Um, I think the summer tour will be good for him, especially with with Jones's injury. Um, it's probably Scott and Dunbar are probably the the starting pair for that uh you know going forward so i think he'll have a he'll have a chance to kind of re-familiarize us all with with what he what he can offer comment of the week okay guys it's time for comment of the week uh don't forget to be eligible you have to leave a comment on the blog um for some inexplicable reason when i've listened back to these i've said www dot at the front of it like i'm reading out an internet address in the 90s but uh, you can just go to scottishrugbyblog.co.uk um Rory, um, have you picked a comment of the week for you yeah, this week? I've got, um, I mean, it's a little bit of, I guess, wistful nostalgia. Um, from Steve OMC on the Italy Report, and he said, uh, came stumbling along Prince's Street tonight to be met by the Scotland team bus making its way after the match reception to the hotel. Saw Big Vern having a big laugh at some story Jonathan Humphreys was telling at the front of the bus. Great to see Big Vern Cotter enjoying his last few days as Scotland coach and getting a great send-off in the stadium. It was emotional. I think he's been a special coach and leader, a good fit for Scotland and will be sorely missed. Um, that was probably the... I was looking for a comment that would kind of sum up Vern's time. Um, and I think that was probably that was probably about pretty appropriate. There was another one that just said legend, which, I, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I don't know how it was in the stadium on um, on Saturday, but it was pretty emotional watching on telly. He um, it, it was a very short post match interview that he was he did. He sort of cut it short and wandered off. <laughs> Didn't give give any chance for afters. Um, was it emotional in the in the stadium, Jack? Yeah, I mean it, it it was lovely. It was actually really quite in one way strange to see that he physically can cry if if those were tears. <laughs> um, but like it, it, it was lovely to see how much the whole thing meant to him. I mean, this is a man who spent a, a huge amount of time at Claremont and seemed to go away quite quietly. And then there he is. I wouldn't go bawling his eyes out, but was clearly quite emotional after the game. So yeah, it was it was a nice send off, and good that so many of the crowd stayed to to sort of see him off. Uh, and Jack, what what have you got for comment of the week? 
Um, so I don't have the exact comment on me, but um, one of our frequent commenters who goes by FF, who normally is quite the voice of reason and is a very calm head in what can be a very feisty comment arena, um, has sort of sort of broken character really and gone on a rant about how whales have suddenly become world beaters because they've beaten Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's just just sort of going off the back of O'Halloran being like, oh, we, we can't beat anyone um, unless they have a bad game. Uh, and the only bit I've got in quotes here is it's basically at the end. And it, it made me chuckle quite a lot. So thank you for that, FF. Yeah, I think is Yeah, I think I think the point was uh, it was something I, I remember reading that one. And it was it, I think it was it was probably around the, the, the sort of lack of. Um, credit that, uh, that that Scotland were getting saying that everyone because um, you know because of the other games where Ireland beat uh, Ireland beat uh, England and Wales beat Ireland and, and all that sort of thing that they're all suddenly these teams are all amazing again and everyone's just kind of forgotten that Scotland beat Wales and Scotland beat Ireland I think it was there was quite a lot of comments uh, you know around that sort of uh, around that sort of theme and, and Al what have you gone for comment of the week yeah, so I, I just having a look back through as well, and and, and the one from uh, a comment here from the smidge. Um, so regarding Owen's intervention, I think it's because the catch was not completed. Then it is not regarded as out of play. If he had caught it properly and had the ball under control, then not on, it would have been out on the full and line out. He never had the ball under control, so it was a knock on and a scrum to us. And I just, if it was the only type comment I think I saw that was actually alluding to what was like clown car sort of refereeing, um, where you could kind of see Nigel Owens on this touchline just sitting there going, how long do I give him to make sure he's worked out that he's got this completely wrong? And he was like the grand old Duke of York. You know, he marched them all up to one end of the park and then had to march them all the way back down the other end. And it, you do sit and wonder sometimes. And I suspect Nigel Owen must just sit there with a sort of metaphorical head in his hands and just thinking... <laughs> Christ, he he was. To be fair, he he went about it very subtly, and because I had to, I, I was um, watching the game on a slight delay, and I did rewind it a little bit just to see what what Owens had said, and he just sort of very gently tapped him on the arm and had a, had a quiet word in his ear. <laughs> it was nicely done. It was it was a it was a moment of uh, there was quite a lot of quite a lot of bemused looks certainly up where we were uh, in the stands, and uh, it was just you could tell it was Owens had. Uh, just sort of, as you said, just give him a wee reminder that uh, <clears throat> maybe that's not quite what should happen. <laughs> so, fair play for somebody spotting that during the game, though. It was good. Yeah. Um, I've gone for a troll this week. Um, somebody going by the name of Smody Brithers. Um, I think we banned him, have we, Rory? <laughs> we think he's definitely on a warning. Yeah, um, who was criticising the music choices at the start of um, last week. I mean, I can, I can give him... Um, that Nebraska is better than the Rising um, in terms of Pritt Springsteen, but he's he then got the name of um, the band that I'd said, Lift to Experience Wrong, um, and then claimed that I'd said their album was released this year rather than re-released, but on a point of order, I've listened back and I did say re-released, so um, yeah, he's definitely heading for a ban, I think. Yeah, and he's wrong about um, Verses and Ten as well. Yeah, well that that's fine, we'll make sure that he can't leave any more comments of that nature on the blog. Um, have, I thought, um, by the way, um, I found the uh, FF comment in case you want to add this in or cut it back in or something. Um, yeah, what he actually said was Wales have been dreadful, but play one good game against Ireland and all their players are suddenly back in the frame for Lions. Ireland have been woeful with ball in hand, but they beat England, so ditto. It's bollocks, basically. That was yeah, that yeah. Well, Wales have smacked a bit of Scotland five or six years ago this year. 
Um, just in terms of being completely incapable of scoring a try after, what was it, 110 minutes of play. But hey, their attack coach is great. Oh, what, True. what a guy. Only choice for the Lions. Fantasy League, Fantasy League. Go have a chat about a Fantasy League. Fantasy League, Fantasy League. Go have a chat about a Fantasy League. It's the Scottish Rugby Blog, the Fantasy Six Nations League. Okay, guys, it's time for the last ever look at our fantasy league um, on Superbrew. Uh, congratulations to Doddy's Technicolor Dream Trues, um, which is Marcus Halberstram, um, which is an impressive name if it's real, um, who came out top with 959 points. Um, Ian Hay, um, I think, came top of the writers, um, but he was quite far down. Um, Rory, how, did you manage to end up inside the top 100? Yeah, I've finished in the top 100 and one place ahead of Smody Brothers with a grand total of 735 <laughs> points. Um, I do feel that I've let the side down as I probably um, as one of the lower lower ranked um, writers from the team. Um, so I do promise to do better next time. Um, I mean, looking at sort of the teams and, and how, how the, the, their, the Super Brew system works particularly, I think each round you, you've got to find that one guy who has a stormer and get make sure he's picked as your captain for double points or your kicker. That's how I think because a lot of people have you know pretty similar teams, um, but too often the guys that I pick for captain or kicker just fail to turn up or got injured. So I'm blaming you, Owen Farrell, against Italy. Yeah, well, I um, I went with this. I sort of tweaked that halfway through and decided about the England game, and then decided to load my team with people that were playing against Italy, um, which didn't really work. Um, for either England or France or then subsequently Scotland where all my potato players scored quite badly so I've ended up 35th top, um, which top half is, is top half. yeah I think only on the base that I bothered to check my team every week which I don't normally do um, Jack were you in this I can't remember no I was the one who shamefully defected oh, to the yes. one. I have deliberately yeah. not looked because I presume I'm bottom um, and Ah, Kesarasara! Another year of failing to master fantasy league rugby for me. And, and Al, you you didn't uh, enter this year, but um, how have you shown up in previous years? Old Fandorian's uh, second fifteen, uh, which have had many many outings in fantasy rugby over the years. They're they're always strong starters and usually uh, streak out, uh, you know, into a strong opening and then um, hit the mid season. at the team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's what I was going to de- describe as a mid-season hump and, and then peters out into nothing and normally sort of mid-bottom half mediocrity. It, it's probably not even a six. It's not. E- I'm not even the Ross Ford of fantasy football teams. <laughs> um, well, we, may, we, we normally have um, fantasy leagues on around whenever there's ones going. So the, they normally do them every Six Nations, don't they? Yeah, they do them every, every Six Nations, um, usually during the autumn as well. Um, we do have a Pro 12 Predictor League going on, which is one of these things that you that can get quite annoying when it's sending you emails reminding you that you need to pick a winner between Connaught and Zebra, and you just think, oh, I don't really care. Um, so that's why I'm not doing very well in my prediction, prediction league, but there is one. You're welcome to join it halfway through the season. Um, I think they're actually doing a, a Lions prediction one. I'm not sure how that works, because it'll all just be Super 15 teams or the... I guess, and the Lions squad, but um, I think their Superbrew might be running a game. Oh, yeah, go, and, go and check them out. There's some 
there's some good stuff. They've got um, super super rugby fantasy. They've also got a sort of fantasy light version, which you just pick, you sort of pick a couple of you know, five or six players in across sort of areas of the team, and then get points for that. So superstars. So you'd rather than having to pick a whole team that could actually play in think about it yeah this definitely this game definitely favours people that can be bothered to um, (laughs) check every week it's the legally mandated lions chat the legally mandated lions chat we've heard so much about it that it makes us sick but we've still got a chat about who gatlin's gonna pick Okay, we'll do our legally mandated Lions chat now. Um, we're going to do a Six Nations Review Programme uh, podcast uh, next week. Um, but for the minute, uh, Rory, uh, any celebrity spots this week at the match? Other than, other than uh, the soon-to-retire soon Sean Lamont. Um, yeah. Didn't see Gavin Hastings having any strops this week. Didn't see Warren Gatland. Yeah, not, not too many. Not too many. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Warren Gatland gave that game a swerve because um, you know he would have thought it would have been top of his list to attend. I think after, he probably. I'm sure he. You know, I was thinking maybe he would have felt that the Scotland England game didn't didn't give him enough of a, a enough of a look at the Scotland guys, and he would go up and see how they how they played against Italy. But yeah, no, no, no sign of him. Yeah, he would have thought it'd be worth a few bob shelling out for a helicopter to get him across to Dublin afterwards. But um, yeah. yeah, he could um, take a trophy across or something. True. Um, so we've we've talked all the way through the tournament about um, Scotland players still having a chance to prove themselves in the upcoming European games. But um, Jack, do you, realistically, do you think um, there'll be many Scots representing on the Lions tour? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, I think just with Gatland's uh, rhetoric about the, how important the England game was, I, I imagine our numbers have dwindled. Um, People calling for Hugh Jones as a bolter, obviously, with his injury. That's not going to happen. Uh, I, I, st- I know I mentioned him last time I was on, but I, I still think Hamish Watson's an outside chance of a bolter. And then guys like Hoggy and Seymour maybe might still be in contention. Russell. But, uh, yeah, very few, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I would have agreed on Watson if he'd been playing for Glasgow rather than Edinburgh, I, just in terms of having the platform to show to kick on. I'm not sure he'll get that against La Rochelle. I don't think it'll carry the same prestige as if he was with Glasgow playing Saris. I think if he'd been in that game, I think then, you know, he might have been able to make a stronger case with the you know the window that's left. Yeah, I mean surely if they can plays well, if surely if he plays well though against the, the, the leaders of the top fourteen and they field a relatively strong team, then it'd be a pretty good showing from him. And he'd probably go a long way towards obviously it's not the the major European competition, you don't really know how much the French teams are caring about it. Like it would still be a pretty impressive marker at club level. Yeah, I just don't know if he gets the focus. You know, it's uh, Gatland likes a show pony, and he needs you know what's only to have the, the opportunity to actually shine. So, Do you not see him coming up to Edinburgh for that match? Look at all the Edinburgh stars. If Nell's back, maybe. Uh, if Nell's fit, he'll be he'll be there with bells on to watch. <laughs> True. Um, and very quickly then, because we'll uh, we'll move on um, uh, from this painful topic of um, the slim pickings of Scotland for the Lions. Um, Rory, how many are you predicting in that squad? Um, I haven't haven't put my numbers together, but I think I think Hogg will definitely go. I think um, 
probably one of Seymour and Maitland will go, maybe two, um, depending on how the... I mean, Seymour could end up... Seymour and Maitland could end up having a straight shootout in that Glasgow Saris game um, to see who gets on the tour. So, that you know, there's still... For, for guys like that, there's still a fair bit to play for. Um, I agree with Al that Hamish Watson's shop window's getting smaller by the minute, but he is still one of the... Um, one of the kind of arch sevens that's kicking about. I think probably the problem he has is that Sam Warburton has suddenly come back into great form. And so if it came down for Gatland for a choice between, say, Sam Warburton, James Haskell and Hamish Watson, um, Sam Warburton's going to get the nod. Um, Jack, how many How many are you going to go for? Let's see. I'm going to go Hogg, Seymour, Johnny Gray, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Watson out there. Let, let's show some support to Pimble. I'll go with four. Four and an hour four, is that optimistic? Well, uh so Hogg, Seymour, I think we're all agreed on. Um I think one of the Greys will go. I'm not necessarily convinced it'll be uh junior, it might be senior. I think he's had a good six nations. Um again I, I you look at that Saris game though, and if, if Johnny Gray goes out there and has an absolute stormer um against Ben it would be lovely yeah. to see him smash back at Toji. Yeah, a nice, a nice no arms tackle uh, in, 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 in the uh, the yeah, or the mall. Like a horse collar. That'd be really nice. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's two that we've not mentioned that, and they're both injured at the moment, but they have the opportunity. One is is Nell. Um, you know, I think if Nell's can get back and get fit, um, you you take Nell. He, he's you know. He's the best in his position in the northern hemisphere if he's fit. Yeah, I, I I think the other one that's not been mentioned and I think could go. I don't think they've got a hope in hell of getting um in the test squad, but you would take him in your squad. It might be Laidlaw. I think Laidlaw is your midweek captain. Uh, to my mind, um, I could see him squeezing on. <clears throat> as an Nell, it's a, it's a valid point. You know, a tight head is if a tight head has proven class. There's not it's, form is almost um. It's not really a, a kind of form thing with tight heads. It's, it's if they're fit enough to play and they're a great player, then you know you could just about get away. So he's Nell. If if he's half fit, might get on the tour, play his way into play his way into into form. Okay, it's time for Hands in the Rockets or any other business section of the programme. Um, Rory, what's had its hands in your rock this week? Okay, well, this is um, probably... I mean, this could could be uh, could be one for, for next week as well. But, uh, yeah, just uh, it does relate to the Italy game. So um, I've gone for French referees being um, homers. That's homers. Um, just, they seem, you know, they seem to be... I mean, we struggle with French refs, except sometimes we don't struggle with French refs, and it just where's the consistency? Um, I don't. I know Gav doesn't like ranting about refs, and neither do I. But we're going to have to. Um, <laughs> Gozer, the uh, referee the other day, it was Gozer, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Gozer, the referee the other day, you know. Against Ireland last year, he gave us nothing. Laidlaw and Barkley were on, and they were on a team warning after about eight minutes or something for breakdown defences. But then, you know, when we're humping Italy, it's all smiles and help yourself, boys. Um, I mean, he, you know, he gave Italy three kickable penalties, but he really should have given a penalty try against uh, against you know when Barkley got sent off. Um, I mean, they were camped on our line. The mall was working. You know, he sends Barkley off. You would think 
that should have been a penalty try. I mean, I'm glad we we nailed Italy because Scotland were the only team to do so. But but still, um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how uh, Jerome Garces is the referee for Glasgow away against Saracens. So we'll see if my theory is borne out, and he just doesn't give Glasgow any anything when he's um, been so nice to them in, in the Scotland shirt. Al, what's had its hands in your ruck this week? Uh, Italian fans, they sent me <laughs> off on an absolute bender after the after the game. So standing waiting for Rory because of events outside the press door. And as you guys will know, that's where they very often the opposition players will will slink out. Now, bearing in mind they've come off of the back of one of the sort of I think probably the worst performance I've seen from any away side at Murrayfield since 2007 Romania in the Rugby World Cup. It was about the last time I think coming away thinking. Crikey. Um, there's the Italian fans cheering them, applauding, hugging, think giving them the big the, the big licks. And I'm just thinking, I remember the Scotland games I were at where we were just as poor as Italy were on, on Saturday. And I was going apoplectic, fizzing. And uh, I just thought, yeah, that's there's a problem there. You know, the mentality is just is is wrong. And Ital- Italian rugby will not improve until that mentality has changed both, you know, in the stands and on the park. So I just, yeah, it it really drove me up the wall. I was actually angry for them since they didn't have the uh, the gumption to be angry themselves. I am. Um, I'm, I'm really hopeful that somewhere in Italy there's someone getting pelters for giving them all zero out of ten. <laughs> um, Jack, who what's had its hands in your rock this week? Uh, my daily dose of pessimism uh, goes to uh, unfortunately just the team performance against Italy. I thought for the first half an hour, you, you see that Italy team, they've they're averaging something like 35 missed tackles, and we've got this brilliant backline who didn't really back their it, yeah, poor conditions, but they didn't really just go and back themselves against them. You, you, there's so many dangerous runners, um, and uh, and Hugh Jones is almost getting that that sort of feeling when Hall gets the ball that something's going to happen, and we just spent so long. Uh, it just it, it was just such a long time before we started taking the ball to the line and challenging them, and that that really annoyed me, especially with so many of the the sort of like the the international level Italian players: your Favaro, Campagnaro, Garcia. There's another one. I've forgotten. Luke McLean. Um, that with them out, like, yeah, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, I was just a bit disappointed. Yeah, sorry to put a downer on the the nailing of Italy. Though. <laughs> um, I've gone for Mexican waves, um, mainly because there was a lot of people on Twitter having a rant about Mexican waves and getting all poor facedness and saying, "Watch the rugby," just like a bit like a church minister telling kids there's no Santa Claus on at midnight mass. Um, I mean, I get why people might get frustrated, but I remember being a kid at rugby matches and they're, they're quite good fun. And, you know, maybe if you're grumpy about Mexican waves, they're not for you, but that doesn't mean that other people don't enjoy them. And I, I, maybe, I, mean, I, I can't remember the last time there was a Mexican wave at Murrayfield, so it should probably be seen as a good thing that the crowd is so relaxed and the game was a bit flat when it happened anyway. And we've, I mean, I've certainly written a couple of bits for the blog about how crap the atmosphere is at Murrayfield, so at least it's nice to see the crowd doing something about it. Um, but I don't know if anybody hates Mexican waves, so. 
No, I, I was impressed that it actually managed to make its way around past the, the you know, the, the posh seats. Normally, that's when it sort of <laughs> it, it breaks at that point and dies a death. And I managed to get a good four or five uh, times round before the uh, the barber jacket brigade got a wee bit uh, tired of it and decided to to turn the attention back to the game. Also, Mexican wave. Yeah, it floundered on the rock that is HRH, the Royal Box. <laughs> oh, such a shame! Such a shame. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I can see. It kind of goes back to what uh, to what Jack was saying that you know, because by halftime it was pretty clear, given that they'd sort of failed, especially when Italy came out for that sort of. They had their best period, the kind of ten minutes after halftime. It was pretty clear which way the game was going after they, you know, after Hoggy. Hoggy and Gordy Reid led that goal line stand, and Hoggy made sort of two try try saving tackles. Um, Italy came away with nothing, and you know Barkley came back on, and you're thinking, yeah, there's, there's only one way that this result is going. So it was kind of everyone knew that that was the result. Italy probably knew that that was the result. The fans were probably a bit flat because Scotland weren't actually they weren't playing like they, they were sort of twenty points up with no no fear of losing. Um, and I think that's probably why the you know a bit of boredom set in and and uh, the Mexican wave started. That's probably as good a point as any to um, call it a day for this week's episode. Um, I've been Cammy Black. Um, you can find the blog on scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Follow us on Twitter at scottrugbyblog. Um, we'll be back next week to do a bit more of a review of the whole Six Nations. Um, so don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, and for a minute, it's bye from me and bye from the other guys. Bye. 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 This is probably Baron Carter's uh, worst nightmare standing out here talking to everyone. But Baron, just listen to the reception that you're getting from everybody here at Murrayfield. I know you keep your emotions quite covered up, but this is a phenomenal farewell for you. Yeah, I'd like to thank the players and everybody for the last three years. It's been fantastic. So thanks everybody, it's been great fun, really enjoyed it. I can see how emotional you are, <laughs> and he's gone to say goodbye to the boys.